Hello and welcome to Anger Management. Uh, this time, quite uh, in the moment, it's happening. It's Sunday afternoon in Cambridge. We're here with uh, Art Goldhammer. Karin is here too. Yes, I'm here. I'm doing the technology, so I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little shaken by that. And uh, it's the afternoon, it's the evening of the French uh, presidential election. Um, uh, everybody who asked in Cambridge who to talk to said it's Art. Uh, translator and uh, academic um, of long standing and uh, we're here to talk about the outcome of the election um, and I guess as always we, this I think is a very particular moment for the podcast as well because in a way it's the it's, first time we're live it's no, the first time we're mean? live no no, it's not, <laughs> no because it's 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 uh, quintessentially about our Descent, I think, this election in a strange way. Yours and mine. Yours and mine. Yes. Um, about either protecting something that might be able to, to evolve and change or reform something, or the question how could, can you should you attack it? And I'm not saying I was I would have voted Le Pen, not at all. But but the way that the discussion was framed was so defensive in a way, and so um, interestingly defensive and so symbolic. So I'm I'm interested in. In that dimension, to 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 understand what's your take on, um, so Macron won, sixty five percent. We're all glad, but whose victory is it really, and and what will happen with with this victory? Um, where where does he go with it, and where will the contradictions? Uh, will they just disappear? That 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 brought him to power, and thirty five percent of the French um, to vote for. Xenophobe proto-fascist party. Right. Well, I think the first uh, victor in this election is the European Union, because if Le Pen had won, uh, she had promised uh, that she would uh, hold a referendum on Frexit uh, immediately after winning. Uh, she did backtrack somewhat on that promise in the last couple of weeks, and that may be one of the reasons that she did less well, uh, even than the polls had predicted. Uh, originally, the polls had suggested she might get as high as 40%. She got only 35%. Uh, Macron, of all 11 candidates who were running in this election, was the most uh, staunchly pro-EU from the beginning. So uh, the European Union won. Uh, second, I think the uh, German, uh, uh, both the German uh, uh, right wing and the German left wing are uh, happy about this election. There were endorsements from... Uh, Uh, Merkel and Schäuble on the right, and from uh, Gabriel on the left. Uh, Schultz uh, endorsed Amon, but uh, I think that's because they're both members of the Socialist uh, International Organization, uh, so he didn't really have a choice, but I think his preference would have been Macron, with whom he worked closely when he was at the European Parliament. Mm -hmm. So uh, the Germans are happy. I think uh, uh, the Germans being happy is significant for Macron's chances of success because he needs help from Germany if he's to make good on uh, uh, his election. He needs to bring uh, some improvement to the French economy. It can't go on with 10% unemployment, or there will be trouble. Now, there are also already signs that uh, uh, there is likely to be trouble ahead for Macron. Uh, for one thing, the abstention rate this year was higher than normal. It was 25%. Mm. Uh, whereas uh, in previous elections, uh, 
participation has been at the level of 80% or so, so down about 5% this year. Then on top of that, there was a substantial number of uh, uh, spoiled and blank ballots. Uh, about 13% of, uh, of those who voted cast the spoiled or blank ballots. That's unusually high. So if you add the abstention and the spoiled ballots, uh, that's a significant segment of the electorate, in addition to those who voted for Le Pen, who were expressing discontent with the choices that they had. Uh, so uh, the uh, forces that uh, supported Le Pen were in part from outside France. Inside France, uh, you have uh, people supporting him for two reasons. First of all, there's a, a substantial centrist vote. I've thought for a long time that someone in the center of the political spectrum could win in France. Uh, it almost happened in 2007 when François Bayrou uh, came in uh, third, and between the two rounds, Ségolène Royal and, and Bayrou uh, had some discussions, perhaps uh, at arm's length, uh, about uh, forming a ticket. Uh, that she would name him as prime minister. And so you would have had a, a left-wing president, but a centrist prime minister, and that would have been a move toward the center. The Socialist Party itself has been moving toward the center for a long time, and Hollande and Valls uh, really represent the kind of centrist wing of the Socialist Party. Center being a really weird word, in a way, because it's so mm -hmm. neutral. And that's, that's, I think, maybe the core of my argument with, with, this, with, with, with words. So is the center... The, the center, or is the center, did the socialists move right? Did the socialists sort of betray, uh, like you could argue, the social democrats or the democrats in, in the US, their constituency? Is that sort of the reason why Le Pen got the voters sort of of, of the industrial north, which were usually um, traditionally uh, socialist voters or, or communist voters? And, and, and so, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to sort of. Well, in this election, to gauge yeah. out this, the contradictions of right. of the of the of the present moment, and and is sort of, is the it's it's not an it's not a normal election, but is it is it an earthquake or is it sort of the the end of something, or the beginning of something new? The sixth republic that Mélenchon wanted is it already here? Because it's the, like like it's tabula rasa basically in France. Um, Uh, well, That's not uh, questions of that. <laughs> uh, yes, I think uh, uh, with the upcoming legislative elections, you're going to see that the political system has been thrown into complete turmoil by this election. So in that sense, uh, it's perhaps not quite a tabula rasa. The uh, established parties, socialists and republicans, have not been destroyed, but they do have to rebuild. They're uh, in uh, terrible organizational turmoil. Uh, and we'll see uh, how they confront the legislatives. Uh, I, when I use the word centrist, it's in part to avoid using the term neoliberal, uh, which is uh, a label that's often applied to Macron and that I find uh, unsatisfactory. I uh, agree with that. This is an argument we had just on the way here. Yeah. Uh, George would argue that he is a neoliberal, and I would say he's a, he's a, he's a social democrat of the kind of more to the center, yeah. which well, is not the same thing. No, it's not the same thing, and I'm, I totally agree <laughs> with avoiding the word neoliberal, because if, you, if, if, if uh, you use that word, everybody thinks either they know what you talk about or you, you sort of wishy-wash a whole set of contradictions and I'm, I think at th that's the moment now to un unpack the contradictions of the neoliberal moment that right. we live through because it's really weird that you have victims of a system like the financial crisis arguably produced 
or or the regime, so the the neoliberal era produced stagnation, indebtedness, the middle class, um, weight stagnation, growth stagnation. So why would you opt for somebody who is at least to a large degree part of that same thinking? Right. Well, I, the reason I don't like the word neoliberal is that uh, for me it's like uh, uh, Hegel's remark about the night in which all cows are black. It just uh, eliminates all distinctions among Uh, different types of people who, to one extent or another, accept the need for a free market economy. I think uh, when uh, there was a robust idea of socialism, uh, it was one thing to be against capitalism. But now that uh, the socialist idea has been diminished, and no one can really imagine an alternative to capitalism per se, Uh, the, you have to accept some... Uh, no one is at large. Yeah. It's, it's a very strong statement. Uh, uh, there's, a, there's a lack of imagination. Uh, perhaps a, an overly strong statement, but we have only 45 <laughs> minutes here, so uh, I'll allow myself to be somewhat crude. Yeah. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, I, I have been fighting back against the use of the term neoliberal. Uh, so you mentioned the idea of third way, and uh, Macron has often been compared to Tony Blair, for example. So uh, yes, in some ways, uh, that's the direction he's going, but uh, he has the advantage of uh, having seen the ways in which Tony Blair succeeded and Tony Blair failed. Uh, Bill Clinton succeeded and Bill Clinton failed. So I think he's going to try some different things. Uh, France did not make the turn that uh, the UK and the US made in the 1980s. So he's starting from an economy that is still uh, heavily statist. Uh, 57% of French GDP is, goes into state spending. Uh, so it's hardly correct to say that France has become a neoliberal society in which the state plays a, a small role. Uh, what Macron wants to see is a reorientation of the French economy into uh, new, hopefully growing sectors, uh, taking advantage of France's comparative advantages. Uh, France has a very good educational system. It has very good scientific research. Uh, it's a leader in several areas of high technology, such as aircraft construction, aircraft electronics, chemicals, pharmaceuticals. Uh, Where it can't compete effectively any longer is in uh, heavy industries like steel uh, and automobile manufacturing. Uh, uh, it has not responded in the way that Germany has. Uh, Germany's automobile industry outsourced heavily to Eastern European countries with lower uh, wage structures uh, so that it can still assemble automobiles in Germany but using parts that are produced elsewhere at lower costs. Uh, France hasn't been able to do that, at least not yet. And Macron would rather encourage uh, a, a new economy. Now, some people say this is a move toward the gig, gig economy. The Uberization of France is a, a term that Marine Le Pen used in debate. I think that's quite unfair. Uh, what uh, uh, Macron has in mind is something more like Silicon Valley in the United States. Uh, where it's easy, easier for entrepreneurs to start new businesses. Uh, and the businesses that they start are businesses where employees are, by and large, happier in their work than they are in working for large uh, mass production corporations. So it, the question is whether you can uh, foster the growth of such industries rapidly enough to absorb the jobs that are going to be lost in the heavy industries. The answer is probably no. 
Uh, I, the answer is clearly no. Yes, I think that's what everybody agrees. Everybody, so, everybody agrees. Yeah. So, so, so you uh, have to figure out, I think, a, a new role for the state, maybe. So, if, is the state really the problem? But this is what he wants the state to do. I mean, this is the role of a role of the state that he wants the state to play. Uh, But you mean the, more than that? That's what you're saying. Yeah, it seems I, un unclear. What? But that's that's the, I guess the interesting part. So, if is the state active in a new way so if, if you have a an in industrial policy that that is um working towards new um and, and knowledge-based uh areas of the economy what's the role of the state in in that area and that worked in france with 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 uh airbus really well um in, in a way so if to 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 have a european right um strong european technology um and and i guess With, with with the crisis in this country, in the United States, you would, can argue that there has to be a very proactive industrial policy in the future industries in in, in Europe. And uh, if that's if that's the case, I'm I'm all for that. But is that the case? Uh, yes, I think he's uh, very much in favor of industrial policy. But the the problem is that. Uh, You can't have Keynesianism in one country. That's the lesson that French socialists believed they learned uh, in 1981 from Mitterrand. Uh, the country that has the surplus, the budget surplus to spend, and the current account surplus that needs to be brought down is Germany. It's you, George. I'm, I'm all for spending, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, Macron uh, thinks that the way to encourage the Germans to spend is to show them that they have a reliable, trustworthy partner in France. <laughs> And therefore, he has been clear he's not going to allow the French budget deficit to balloon. Uh, I think the Germans never trusted Hollande uh, for the reason that Hollande ran against them, in a sense, uh, uh, in 2012. Uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, he had made promises that he then reneged on, and I think that is one of the reasons that the French turned against him so uh, sharply and dramatically. His popularity rating had dropped to 4%, which is unheard of in the entire history of the uh, Fifth Republic. So uh, Macron avoided that mistake. He never pretended to be anything other than what he is, uh, a centrist or, if you like, neoliberal reformer who uh, is going to uh, uh, expand opportunities for free market entrepreneurs in France. That's the way he's going to go. But he's going to expand those opportunities by uh, encouraging uh, a European-wide investment bank to be more handsomely capitalized by the Germans than it has been to date. I'm interested in, uh, I want to come back to policy, obviously, but um, I'm interested in what, how you see his mandate, um, because you said that this is a vote for Europe, or, um, and he was the most pro-EU candidate, but this is also a vote uh, primarily, I would argue, uh, just looking at the post today, against Le Pen. Absolutely. So it's a protest vote. And oh. going back to the comparison with um, uh, Blair and Clinton, they had a real mandate for yeah. their actual policies. They and did. I'm not so sure about Macron and whether people actually like the things he wants to do and what that in that case means. Uh, yes, that's a very good point. And uh, I think we saw in the high abstention rate and in the surge of Jean-Luc Mélenchon, mm. who uh, was quite outspoken in his... Uh, a critique of Macron's policies and his uh, assertion that they would not be effective, uh, I think what you saw there was a protest. Uh, so Macron does not have a positive mandate yet. Uh, hence, the success of his policy is going to depend not only on the Germans, but on his ability to convince 
the substantial segment of the French population that did not vote for him and that uh, honestly rejected him uh, uh, with their abstentions because they could not bring themselves to vote for Le Pen, but they were the reason they abstained or, or spoiled their ballots was to say, we, we don't like you, uh, we don't accept your policies. He's going to have to persuade them that those are going to work. Now, uh, I'm not at all sure how successful he'll be in that. I don't want to be uh, overly uh, uh, Pollyanna-ish <laughs> about this, uh, and I, I have my serious doubts. But uh, Macron did something very interesting last uh, Thursday night, one day before the news blackout was imposed on, on French media. He gave an interview to Mediapart, the, the online French newspaper, which is quite left-wing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he uh, agreed to sit down with them for three hours of discussion. And what you saw there was the debate that he should have had with Le Pen, but couldn't because Le Pen was so aggressive and angry and uh, uh, shouted throughout their debate that no policy issues could be discussed. Instead, here you had well-informed left-wing journalists who were highly critical of uh, Macron, who had published many articles criticizing his... uh, platform throughout the campaign, uh, uh, sitting down with him. And he uh, agreed to do this. He didn't have to, uh, subjected himself to their questions. And he was uh, superb, I thought, in this interview. He, uh, You might say that that's because he's glib. He's an enoch, a graduate of, of uh, the École Nationale d'Administration, which trains people to uh, do this kind of policy explanation in a very convincing way. Uh, which doesn't mean that he'll fare as well with the unions. But my sense in watching this interview was that you could visibly see the people in the room being won over, uh, uh, if not convinced by his policies, at least uh, persuaded that this is a reasonable guy, someone you can talk to. Uh, and he, it, this was evident in, in his responses, his humor, his body language. He was not a focus group-driven candidate. He was not wooden in the way that Hillary Clinton was accused of being wooden in the United States. He's someone who listens to people who pose questions to him uh, and then uh, responds in what seems to be a human way, which acknowledges uh, the kinds of difficulties that they're putting forward, the obstacles that lie in the way of the programs that he wants to institute, and recognizes that he hasn't won over a large number of people uh, in the population. You saw the same thing when he went to Amiens and confronted the striking workers at Whirlpool. Uh, he, they, he didn't persuade them. In fact, he didn't try to tell them he was going to save their jobs. He told them that I can't stop this uh, factory from being closed. It's owned by private owners, and I'm not going to tell you I'll nationalize it because that's not the way I see the economy going forward. So uh, he may prove to be a skillful enough co- uh, politician to pull this off, but there are no guarantees that that will happen. I guess the uh, the standard left wing critique or the standard left wing doubt about Macron is whether um, basically the, the question that Georg started out with: so what does he have to give to the people who are um, who already feel left out, who already are the victims of globalization, of uh, this disrupted economy, of new um, of the policies that Europe have lived with for for the last decades. What what is he, what is his answer, and what are your thoughts about what will happen five years from now if he doesn't if he are not able to give people something uh, real? 
<laughs> yes, well, uh, I think w- what they most want is jobs, uh, a reduction in the unemployment rate. There are some signs that uh, the French economy has begun to recover slowly, uh, admittedly, uh, but it's a positive sign. Uh, he can't uh, create large numbers of jobs yeah. by opening new plants. We've already discussed the reasons why uh, the kinds of uh, heavy industry that have uh, closed down in France in recent years are not going to come back. Now, uh, you made the point earlier that uh, uh, the working class uh, did not vote in, in the North and Northeast did not vote for Macron. That's true, but that's not uh, because <coughs> Macron is a centrist neoliberal. Uh, the working class has been abandoning the Socialist Party for years, and the Front National has been the leading work, working class party in France for years. Now, the fact is that if Marine Le Pen had won, she couldn't have brought back their jobs either. She, Her formula was uh, withdraw from the European Union, close the borders, uh, raise tariff barriers. It's essentially the Donald Trump solution. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the U.S. economy is... Uh, it wouldn't have worked in the U.S. either, but the U.S. economy at least has a large domestic market. France does not. It depends on the European Union for its uh, large market and economies of scale. So she had no answer. Now, whether Macron has an answer, um, I think you're both right in uh, casting doubt on the kinds of answers that he's given so far. And the law that bears his name, the Macron law, which uh, ref- tried some timid steps in the direction that he's suggesting now, under Hollande, uh, I criticized at the time for being far too little. This is not going to make a huge difference to have intercity bus competition, for example, or opening up the uh, the competition among notaries. Uh, this is not going to create huge numbers of jobs. Uh, so uh, we don't know. There are, there are a lot of ifs. And what, you ask what will happen in 2022 if he does not succeed. Yeah, who knows? Uh, yeah. Uh, it's really far too <laughs> early to tell. What we saw today is that Marine Le Pen uh, uh, just announced that she's going to dis- dissolve the Front National and create a new party, the mm-hmm. Patriots Party, which indicates that uh, I think she's worried that uh, her, uh, per- her performance, which fell short of expectations, um uh, is going to open her up to challenge within her own party. And I think she's looking to form a new alliance. She got a beginning of that new alliance with uh, the adhesion of uh, Dupont-Aignan to her campaign at the last minute. So she wants to pick off a segment of the people who voted for Fillon, the the right wing uh, of the Republican Party. Uh, And I think perhaps uh, she's going to be challenged within what used to be the Front National by her niece, Uh, Marion Maréchal Le Pen. So that uh, uh, makes it even murkier what might happen in 2022. Uh, uh, There's going to be a a total realignment, I think, of the French party system. The the Socialist Party is in complete disarray. The right wing uh, could split between uh, some segment of the the Republican Party. The Juppé uh, fraction will join uh, Macron. Uh, the Fillon faction will join uh, Le Pen, uh, or parts of it will. Uh, the Sarkozy faction will, uh, who knows, uh, try to maneuver in between. Uh, and uh, there's going to be a, uh, an explosion and a reconstruction. I don't know what will come out of that. 
So in the, the upcoming elections, uh, and which will... Meet 2024's most anticipated robot vacuum, Eufy X10 Pro Omni. With powerful 8,000 PA suction and MopMaster's dual mop pads, it keeps your floor sparkling clean. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards, and Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799 kind of decide Macron's uh, fate in terms of if he's uh, able to build a, a working majority uh, right. for his policies in in the assembly. So what do you think, what are the um, what are the ways forward for him in the short term? Uh, well, I know this is not, I know you want to talk about... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's uh, the, I just the big to, picture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, well, I'll, I'll uh, briefly address this. Uh, uh, I think uh, the likelihood... Uh, unfortunately, is that uh, the lion's share of the seats will go to the Republican Party. Uh, and you saw François Barouin in uh, the uh, immediate uh, debate that uh, occurred on television right after the election results were, were announced. Uh, there were a number of socialist leaders on the platform with him, Ségolène Royal and uh, 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 Gérard Collomb, the mayor of Lyon, who were uh, both Macron supporters. Mm -hmm who were suggesting some kind of alliance between En Marche, Macron's group, and the socialists. Uh, so they'll try to get something together. But Barouin, instead of indicating he wanted to work with Macron, went immediately on the attack mm -hmm. and said, Macron is going to drift to the left. We of the right reject him. And we're So I think uh, Barouin and Vauquier are going to vie for the leadership of the right over this. And Vauquier is going to veer toward the Front National. Mm -hmm. Barouin will try to stay a little bit uh, in between the Juppé group and the, the harder core right. Uh, we'll see which one of them emerges as the most likely leader of the party. Uh, there are some polls suggesting that En Marche, uh, this new group that Macron has formed, could actually win a substantial number of seats despite having no established presence. Uh, if that happens, uh, Macron will be in a stronger position. Uh, but at the moment, I think the most likely thing is that... Uh, uh, not a majority, but a substantial plurality will belong to the right. And that will mean Macron has to deal uh, with whoever uh, emerges on the right. I don't know what the terms of that negotiation will be. Uh, it's really hard to imagine at this point. Um, <laughs> I don't want to insist on the big picture necessarily, but I would like to, to, to try to tie together some of the things that you said that I think make this election sort of particularly for, for, for France and, and, and still have explain maybe the international and, and, and fundamental interest in, in, in some of the, the, the political um, propositions that were sort of at stake here. So, so you have, you say the victor is, uh, the, the winner is the EU and, and, and that is a product of after Second World War. You say, um, uh, the French um, education system is very good. Having studied in Paris, I'm kind of I'm wary of that. But 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 very precisely, I think the one of the problems that was clear in the regime of Hollande and in Fillon's scandal and in the sort of the way the French ruling class behaves is that this educational system, where they come from, the super elitist inner 
uh, educational system where also Macron is coming from, which is also a product of after after the war, um, is is creating these frictions or these tensions in the, in society, and and is creating this this sense of uh, entitlement on, on on the part of the elite. So I'm what I'm reading in this sort of situation is really that that this. Um, uh, as you say, the, the 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 problem is much much deeper, and the question is um, how can you um, find an answer? Um, you say Macron said, "I can't use, I can't build build a factory for you," but it, but the, I think what became clear and since the financial crisis is that you have to have an, uh, you have to have an answer for, to globalization. Mm -hmm. You can't just say this is a natural law. Yeah. So my my question is sort of to, to, to to shift it a little is so what is the fascination of the young for example with Mélenchon is that sort of just and I want to leave apart the pro-Putin the pro-Assad the anti-refugee um, mm -hmm. part which is disgusting and um, mm -hmm. clearly uh, not any part of the left shouldn't be a, of a, mm -hmm. a part of the left politics but what is there is there somehow do you have a sense of there is um, a foundation for something new, in, in which I would hope in, in this moment of crisis. Um, oh, okay, well, you've raised several points there. And first, let me agree with you. Uh, when I say the French educational system is good, I mean the elitist part of the educational system. The Grand École Polytechnique turns out uh, many superb uh, 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 scientists and mathematicians and so on. École Normale Supérieure, the vast. Uh, 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 university system is not so good. Uh, there are a few good campuses, but uh, most of the 80 are below par, and the French recognize this. Uh, and when I say the EU is the victor, I mean the EU uh, does not face imminent destruction. Uh, what it has received from this election and from the Brexit vote is a warning that if it does not reform itself, uh, does not think seriously about the deficiencies in its institutional structure. With democracy. Uh, There's uh, no democracy. Uh, and incre increasing uh, democratic uh, uh, representation at the top levels of the EU, then yes, uh, it, it, uh, it faces uh, uh, serious difficulties ahead. Uh, so uh, those are my responses on those points. What does the Mélenchon uh, youth vote represent? Well, the youth vote is very interesting. If you look at the first round youth vote, the preliminary analysis uh, I've seen suggests that uh, it's split three ways. Uh, one third for Le Pen, one third for Macron, one third for Mélenchon. Uh, Fillon got the elderly vote, but not much of the youth vote. Uh, the one-third that went to uh, Le Pen was the least educated one-third, the uh, young people with the least healthy prospects for the future, without a buck uh, in many cases, uh, and really the... Uh, without the, any school, high school diploma. Uh, yeah, the, the baccalaureate, yeah. yes, the high school diploma. Not the buck, not the dollar. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, so uh, uh, they are the the people who are left behind. They're least likely to uh, uh, reap any of the benefits of globalization uh, of the uh, expanded EU economy. Uh, Mélenchon got the youth protest vote. Um, for the most part, people who are still in school, people who have not embarked on their careers, uh, who... Uh, think more in terms of sweeping away the entire system and starting over something new. This is a romantic, revolutionary strain that has 
persisted in French, look at me. In, look at me. in French politics for generations and will not go away. And we have it here in the United, uh, yeah. uh, United States as well. Uh, Parts of Germany, apparently. Uh, Very small pockets of with, in Berlin. In German yeah. thing. Uh, the Macron vote, on the other hand, I think consists largely of uh, people under 30 who have already embarked on their careers have discovered that uh, out in the real economy, trade-offs have to be made, uh, that uh, you don't get something for nothing, that uh, uh, in order to create jobs, perhaps some of the frictions uh, that exist in the economy that make, it, uh, that make companies reluctant to hire because the costs of having to downsize after you've already taken on new workers Uh, are large and the frictions, the requirements uh, imposed by French law to go before a court to demonstrate that you're really in financial difficulty and so on uh, uh, are just too onerous for business. So uh, I think a lot of those people are attracted by reforms that uh, have been made in Germany where uh, there is more cooperation between workers and management, where there's more discussion about what accommodations business needs, uh, what kinds of flexibility are necessary in order to uh, encourage new hiring. Uh, so uh, I, this three-way uh, division in the youth vote, I think, is interesting and symptomatic of different analyses, different readings of, of the French economy. On the, the one hand, those who have no diplomas are just disgusted with the entire system and want the whole thing to go away. Those who are working towards the diplomas but have not yet started uh, as part of the economy uh, take a more traditional uh, revolutionary idea that if you simply replace the people at the top uh, and uh, decision-making is done differently at the government level, then miraculously the economy is going to change. And those in the middle to whom Macron speaks directly say, we need to make changes in the way business is done. So that, that's the way I would read the youth vote. Which is, I guess... I agree, but this, so this poses the question, you have the have, haves and the have-nots, and the have-nots, I guess, will always be the have-nots. In, in, in an economy that doesn't create ma mag magically new jobs, right. um, so, so, so is that what the West is um, willing to live with, that, that a third of the society is in constant despair or turmoil or, or, or upheaval? How, how, how can it actually as a society? Well, I hope not. And when I say that, I hope that the EU has taken a warning from this vote and that the French elite has taken a warning from the widespread rejection of the way it has ruled. Uh, uh, I hope that will have an effect. Now, Macron has some positive proposals in this direction. He uh, His uh, fundamental educational proposal is to spend more money on the so-called priority educational zones in France, that is, the most economically disadvantaged areas. So he's taking a leaf from uh, the uh, programs pioneered by the late uh, Richard Descoings, who headed Sciences Po, who um, tried to expand recruitment into this elite institution, which trains uh, France's future leaders, uh, by uh, uh, extending... Uh, Uh, help with the curriculum uh, down into these schools where people don't uh, get that kind of help at home, uh, offering extra tutoring for students who showed some uh, uh, ability to uh, master the material and uh, trying to inc increase the number of people from uh, uh, these strata of society who were recruited into uh, an elite institution like Sciences Po. 
now that is a long-term change. It's not going to produce any change overnight. So I, I think Macron recognizes uh, that that's going to be slow. Uh, what can be done uh, to uh, produce more immediate change? Uh, one thing that he uh, that is part of his uh, program, uh, he's uh, tried to uh, align himself with Scandinavian flex security policies. So one of the ideas there is to provide more uh, uh, substantial support for retraining for people who are laid off from their jobs. Now, that was not very popular with the left-behind people in France because retraining programs in France have traditionally been unsuccessful and uh, extremely poorly managed and so on. Uh, it's not at all clear to me that he's going to be able to make a change there, but I think it's the idea that he has in mind. He often invokes the Scandinavian model as a direction to go. Uh, perhaps he'll be more successful at it than his predecessors. Yeah, that's interesting co for me coming from Scandinavia or coming from Sweden because I think uh, when you look closely at the uh, Scandinavian labor market models, they rely heavily also on high degrees of cooperation between, for example, business organizations and labor organizations, trade unions. And so the, you have this peaceful way of cooperating right. and uh, this old uh, corporate protest uh, ways right. where people and not and not the French model of conflict where right. um, trade unions for example um, are smaller and weaker but also much more uh, tend to strike and tend yes. to uh, see politics as their enemy so I, I'm just curious about what he means by that because it's, yeah. it's not clear to me that uh, the Scandinavian model at all is possible to um, I don't know, implement in, in a very different political environment. Right. Uh, the argument about flex security has been going on in France for a long time. Right. And you've just given the usual arguments against it. Yeah. Not only the lack of cooperation between labor and business, uh, but also uh, the fact that uh, Scandinavian society is more homogeneous ethnically. Uh, France has a larger percentage of immigrants in the population. And... Uh, There have been many studies, including by Harvard economists like uh, Alberto Alessina, mm. uh, that show that societies that are more ethnically homogeneous are more willing to uh, uh, fund generously uh, retraining programs and uh, uh, extended unemployment benefits for people who need to make job transitions than uh, Uh, economies that are, are more uh, uh, differentiated. I think uh, you could argue in the case of Sweden, though, that it's a, it's a pretty multicultural society and you still have these high degrees of trust. Yeah. And, but that's another discussion, uh, yeah. I guess. Uh, and it, it's true that uh, uh, conflict between labor and management in France is endemic and it's not going to go away overnight. Uh, Macron will have to be a great political artist to bring them together. Now, Uh, he has proposed a number of reforms that involve uh, more negotiation that has usually gone on uh, between workers and management. And he's proposing to move the negotiations down uh, in level from the uh, uh, branch or sector level of the economy to the firm level. Uh, now, some would say that this weakens the workers' bargaining position because they're left... Uh, without a national movement to support them and uh, left facing their own management alone. But on the other hand, it might be possible uh, when workers understand more immediately the problems of their own management uh, 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 to get more agreement at that level. Anyway, Macron puts a lot of faith in uh, 
the ability to f- foster discussion that has not gone on in the past. Uh, again, this is something that we'll have to wait and see uh, whether he can succeed uh, at this or not. I think we have a few minutes left, maybe five or so. I have yeah. one question about uh, the connection between... So we talked about uh, Macron and we talked about um, the left. But what does it mean? What does the Le Pen vote mean? And how much is that connected to um, the Trump? Uh, wh- what role did Trump play in the French election? Did he energize mm. the Le Pen vote? Or was it? Uh, did it more energize her her enemy, political enemies. Yeah, uh, I, I think the latter. Uh, the Le Pen vote had been growing for a long time, yeah. uh, steadily before Trump arrived. The ele- uh, two things uh, affected the French vote, I think, uh, in the opposite direction from one what one might think. The first was the Brexit vote, uh, which brought home to the French, who grumble a lot about the European Union, Uh, that uh, grumbling might actually turn into a revolt that would lead to collapse. And when it, when push came to shove, they didn't want to see the end of the European Union. They like to complain about uh, the ways that it limits the freedom of their government, but they don't want to see it disappear. And 70% do not want to see the euro disappear in particular. Uh, so that's uh, more than the, uh, uh, the anti-Le Pen vote, actually. Uh, and then uh, Trump's election, Trump being an outspoken uh, critic of the European Union and even worse of NATO, mm. uh, saying that uh, NATO was obsolete, a statement that he since walked back. He said NATO is no longer obsolete, but who, <laughs> who knows what he really means. Yeah. But I think the effect on Europeans was to concentrate the mind uh, uh, as uh, uh, a condemned man's mind is concentrated <laughs> on the gallows. Uh, that they might actually be left to fend for themselves against uh, Russia, against uh, whatever is uh, uh, going on in the Middle East uh, uh, without American support. Mm. Uh, so they realized that they're going to have to learn how to cooperate with each other and that the European Union, which had seemed old hat and, uh, you know, the older generation said this is what prevented war. That's probably always been exaggerated. What prevented war was just that Europe was so exhausted from <laughs> from the last war. Uh, but now there is some more positive reason to think that the European Union is needed, uh, that cooperation cannot just be uh, set aside and replaced by out-and-out uh, uh, economic competition, which is what would happen if the EU uh, disappeared. Uh, so Germany may dominate the EU, but it would dominate even worse, if the, e- even more uh, uh, dramatically if the EU were to disappear. Hmm. Uh, so uh, I think uh, Trump's election uh, worked against Le Pen. Uh, what does the Le Pen vote represent? Well, in part, uh, it's a vote positively for Le Pen that she offered something different, namely protectionism, exclusion of immigrants, building a wall, uh, all of that sort of thing. Uh, but it was also a protest vote against, uh, quote-unquote, the system. All the candidates this year described themselves as anti-system. Le Pen was the most convincingly anti-system candidate. Uh, uh, But just as Trump was elected by voters who, according to uh, opinion polls, uh, 35% of those who voted for Trump thought he was not qualified to be president, Mm. and they didn't really expect him to win. Mm. I think the same was true in France. A lot of people voted for Le Pen because they were uh, disgusted with the status quo and they did not expect uh, Le Pen to win. The polls reassured them from beginning to end that the vote would be 60 to 40 against Le Pen. 
So it was still safe, even though Le Pen has been improving her position steadily. It was still safe if you want to say, uh, we reject all of you to vote for Le Pen as the most anti-system candidate. Are you happy? I'm happy. Are you happy with this victory? <laughs> um, so we've had this argument back and forth the last days. Um, I'm not a big fan of Macron. I, th I think he's a um, classic social democrat to the right, a centrist, as you as you mentioned earlier. But I, I've also been thinking about uh, the fact that a year ago, everybody knew that this election would be between Le Pen and... And uh, Fillon or Sarkozy, even uh, a year ago, most people oh, thought yeah. it would be Juppé. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But it was supposed no. to be between the right and uh, and right. Le Pen. And for me, coming from the left, uh, this is of course um, this is much better. And I, it's not perfect, but it's uh, better than I thought it would be a year ago. And uh, George is never happy until he's in Utopia, so <laughs> no, he's not happy. No. I just want to mention that something that I just remembered. It's uh, still the state of emergency. In France, it, so that is, is yes. really yeah. weird. And so then I would yes, and don't you and aren't you very state. happy that you have Macron as president in that in in that situation instead of the other? I'm just unhappy that there's people. still the state of emergency yes. in a, in a, for actually I don't think a good reason. No, that's yeah. true. But um, just that I, argument. I, is, yeah. I I agree with you. It's not good reasons, and I hope that Macron will end it soon because yeah. I, it doesn't I think, sound like but, it. But so. I, I don't, but but yeah. let me agree with Karen. Yeah. Uh, I think. <laughs> Uh, because a year a year ago it was I knew it. It, it was certain. Last words. I'm probably even a little more centrist than Karen, although I yeah. I, I still, despite I supporting, it. despite supporting Hillary Clinton in the U.S., I still consider myself on the left. Uh, uh, and but I thought both left wing candidates in France this year were unacceptable to me. Uh, so Amon and Mélenchon. Uh, Amon and Mélenchon, I, I did not like. Why so, Amon? Very briefly. Uh, because I thought his economic program was unrealistic. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, Eco-socialism makes no sense to me. Mm -hmm. Ex accepting uh, no growth in the future, uh, it's premature to do that. We, we may ar arrive... Premature? That's, a, that's a, <laughs> you know... Would you have used that word five years ago? Uh, uh, no, but... Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, premature. But, huh. but let me say that a, a year ago, uh, when it looked as though it would be between uh, Juppé and Le Pen, I was having this same conversation with all of my friends in France, most of whom are on the left, uh, to one degree or another. And all of them, to a person, said, we'll vote for Juppé reluctantly, but he's by far the best of the candidates. Then they got Macron, and Macron is far better than Juppé yes. would have been. If you looked at the three right-wing programs, of Sarkozy, Fillon, Juppé, you could put them uh, on a grade. Uh, uh, Fillon would cut 500,000 civil servants, yes. uh, Sarkozy 300,000, uh, 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 Juppé 150,000. So Macron is going to cut 50,000. Uh, you know, he's better than that. And plus, more, he has f far better uh, growth ideas. They may be insufficient, but uh, they're better than anything Juppé was proposing. The one uh, respect in which you might say he's not as good as Juppé is that he lacks the experience. But maybe that's a good thing. He's not bound by all those. Uh, previous alliances and assumptions about what can and cannot be done. He's uh, a new guy. Now, he's going to have to learn a lot, but uh, uh, he's, uh, he's very bright. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm not uh, unreasonably optimistic, I hope, but uh, at least uh, it's not a disaster. 
and uh, uh, I can see many positive things that, that, that might come out of this. I think this is a day to be happy uh, for, I, many, I, for many reasons. Yeah, I say with uh, our friend Wolfgang Streeck <laughs> buying time. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, no, 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 don't want to be gloomy no, at the end. No, no I think uh, let's, 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 uh, let's all open a bottle of champagne yes. for, for one reason or another. It's yeah. always a good reason to have a bottle of champagne open. <laughs> yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much for taking your time. My pleasure. Thank, thank you, Art Goldhammer. This was Anger Management um, on the day of the election. Yes. Uh, anger Management. And to our viewers on Facebook. Yes, Anger Management is a production of <laughs> Affenbladet, Niemann Foundation, 60 Pages, yes. and Berlin Community Radio. Thank you. <laughs>